Friends, because uh, the proclamation of good news is something that we're all doing together. We're, we're here together. We're hearing this together. Uh, I'm not coming to you as somebody who uh, has a bunch of Easter knowledge to drop, despite what Matt says. Um, I'm coming to you as somebody who needs to hear good news. Um, and I'm assuming you need to hear some good news today as well. Amen? So I pray the Lord be with you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that we would have our ears open today to hear the good news about your resurrection and what this means for us today. Uh, Lord, give us grace today to hear this good news, to let it penetrate our hearts and plant good seed there. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Well, it's Easter Sunday. Hopefully, you've gathered that by now. That's the reason that a lot of you are here. Uh, Christ has risen. risen. This is the end of our Lenten journey, which began all the way back at Ash Wednesday, if you guys remember that. Uh, all the way through Lent, and then uh, we celebrated the, the three great days uh, over these last three days. Maundy Thursday, Christ instituted the Lord's Supper and washed His disciples' feet. Good Friday, when we commemorate His death on the cross. Holy Saturday, when He was in the grave. Uh, and now Easter Sunday, when He rose from the dead. Easter Sunday begins a season in the church here called Easter Tide, which is 50 days of celebration, which I kind of like that Easter's 50 days and Lent's only 40. I think that's, there's some gospel in that for us, right? That uh, this is, this, we, we celebrate longer than we fast. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So obviously we celebrate on this Easter day that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, but what does that mean? And who cares? <laughs> right? Why is this so central to our faith? All by itself, it seems like a little bit of a carnival sideshow, right? Like, oh, wow, some guy came back to life after he had died. That's weird. But who cares, right? Like, what's, what's the big deal there? So if it's true, it's weird, but why does it matter? Or, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys grew up this way, but I, I've sometimes uh, seen that Easter story is kind of this awkward, happy ending to the real story of the cross, right? So the cross is where God forgives our sins. That's the, that's the important thing. And then Easter's like, yeah, but he didn't stay dead, so isn't that nice, <laughs> right? It's like, well, I, you know, is that it? Is that all we're celebrating here? Um, or sometimes we, we think it's, oh, it proves that he was God after all. Um, or sometimes we still are talking about the cross, like uh, Deb was uh, telling me, my wife Deb was telling me this morning that a lot of the Easter sort of things that she hears actually have to do with the cross, you know, that thank God Jesus paid the price, you know, and that kind of thing. It's like, wait, we're still talking about the cross, but he's raised from the dead. So I think there's this disconnect. Do you guys agree? There's a disconnect that we have. Like, why, do, why does this matter that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Why does it matter that he is alive? And, you know, a lot of the accoutrements around Easter have become like, oh, it's just like celebration of new growth and springtime, you know, like, yeah, the leaves are coming back out and the the flowers on the trees and isn't that nice? But Easter is actually more revolutionary, far more revolutionary than that. The resurrection of Christ isn't a reminder that things grow in the spring uh, or that every cloud has a silver lining. Um, The resurrection of Christ is a revolution that overthrows the old world, dominated by sin and death, and establishes a new world, a new kingdom under Christ, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of life, a kingdom of peace. Easter announces this absurd claim 
And it, it's absurd on the face of it that the single most important event in human history was when a first century Jewish prophet was humiliated, tortured, and executed by the rich and powerful of his day, and then was raised from the dead three days later. Our claim as Christians is that that was the most important event in human history because it, it reestablished the world, that new creation had dawned right in the middle of the old creation. That was the big surprise of Easter. Not that, not that people were raised from the dead. That everybody expected that. The Jews of Jesus' day expected that everybody would be raised from the dead, but it would happen at the end of history. And it would all happen to everybody at once. But what happened in Christ is that one man was raised from the dead ahead of time. And that there's this overlap of the ages that we now live in. So this is nothing less than a revolution. Amen? This is what we celebrate today. And there's tons we could say every Easter uh, about this. We could unpack this endlessly. So buckle up. This sermon's going to be four hours long. No, it's not, I promise. Uh, we could say tons every day, but today we say this, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, which means new creation has dawned, and though we are often unaware of it and sometimes resistant to it, resurrection life is at work among us in the most unlikely places and in the most unpredictable ways. Where do you need the hope of resurrection life today? And how is the Spirit leading you to cooperate with resurrection life today? Those are the questions. How many of you guys have seen the 2008 Pixar movie, WALL-E? It's one of my favorites. Uh, that one and Finding Nemo, I think, are my favorite Pixar movies. Uh, WALL-E depicts Earth in the 29th century, uh, and it has become a garbage-strewn wasteland because of rampant consumerism and environmental neglect. Humanity has actually left Earth. They've been evacuated by the largest corporation. Basically, corporations and the government have merged together and become... It's a corporation called By and Large. <laughs> it's great. It's a great movie. So, uh, and they've evacuated everybody on these spaceships because Earth is uninhabitable. And they've left behind these robots that are supposed to clean things up. Uh, and one of these robots... The, the last remaining robot is uh, a robot named Wally, -E, And that's short for Waste Allocation Load Lifter. Earth class. So Wally is uh, as a trash compactor, and he remains on Earth sort of dutifully doing his job. And one day, Wally's routine is interrupted by the arrival of an unmanned probe carrying an extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator, or Eve. The symbolism is strong in this movie, okay? <laughs> so it's, a, it's Eve. It's a robot named Eve. And so uh, Eve, who's, you know, in the movie, a feminine robot, uh, she is sent to scan the planet for life, and um, Wally is smitten by Eve and just follows her around and wants to impress her and starts showing her a lot of the things that he's collected, and he shows her these things, and Eve is scanning for life. And so, you know, Wally's trying to figure out what's going on, and Eve is like, meh -ah, meh -ah. you know, she's, she keeps, you know, there's this sound that keeps happening. But eventually, Wally f shows her something that he found that he didn't think much of, which is actually a plant a living plant, a little seedling that has sprouted up from the ground. And he shows her this, and she, like, all of her lights go green, bing, and she grabs the plant, puts it into her womb, if you will, and uh, goes into standby mode. And Wally can't figure out what's going on. The probe, you know, takes her back up, and Wally hangs on for dear life, and they both end up on this spaceship where all the humans are, uh, because this probe was programmed to say, if you find life, come back and tell us, because it means Earth is inhabitable again, and we can go back. 
And so the, they return to the spaceship where all these earthlings are, and the captain of the spaceship is named Captain McRae, and he is used to sitting back and just letting the robotic lieutenant sort of run the ship. Um, the, and the robotic lieutenant is named Otto, it's short for autopilot. So the autopilot is running the ship, Otto is, you know, the, the captain doesn't have much to do most days. Um, when, when the captain sees, though, he's surprised to see that Eve comes back with evidence of a plant life. And he doesn't really know what to do, so he looks it up in the manual, and he watches all these videos to say, this is an indication that we can go back to Earth. Most people have just forgotten about this, uh, that the, they all came from Earth and they can go back. Um, but what ends up happening through a longer series of events um, is that you learn that... Um, it seems like a great plan, let's go back to Earth, but we soon learn that Otto, the robot who's controlling the ship, has his own secret directive, not to return to Earth. And so he ends up playing this video from a previous captain, and the previous captain gets on this screen and says, guys, I got some bad news, uh, Operation Cleanup has failed. I repeat, Operation Cleanup has failed. Rising toxicity levels have made the Earth uninhabitable. We'll have to cancel Operation Recolonize, and rather than try to fix this problem, it's going to be easier for us to just stay in space. I'm giving full control to Autopilot. This is the robot who's in charge of the ship. I'm giving full control to Autopilot. This is your directive. You must follow it. Do not return to Earth. And the video goes away. And McRae, the captain, is arguing with the robot, and he says, well, when was that message sent? And he looks at the timestamp, and it was sent 700 years ago. And he, said, and, he, and he says, no, Otto, we have to go back. Things have changed from 700 years ago. Things are different now. We can go back to Earth. We have to take this risk. But Otto has his directive. And he's a robot. You can't blame him, right? Uh, but he has his directive, and he, he uh, tries to prevent the going back to Earth by electrocuting Wally and deactivating Eve and locking Captain McRae in his quarters. And the rest of the movie, you'll have to go watch it to find out what happens. Um, but that's the, that's the story I want us to have in our minds as we think about the resurrection. Because Otto is acting on these old orders. He's acting on a report about Earth that it's hopeless, that we can't go back. It's better to stay up here. Just manage the situation as best you can. Don't get your hopes up. Because they might be dashed. And Otto wants to follow these directives despite this new situation. And I think we're oftentimes the same way. We've got these old orders. We're clinging to these old stories about the way that the world is based on hopeless reports, based on stories that have been told that don't have resurrection as part of them. Instead of seeing everything through this new situation, which is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, which opens up all these new possibilities for us. But I think oftentimes we're like Otto. We, we find it easier to just believe the old story, to stay in those old systems. Maybe it's a relationship that seems unredeemable to you. I can't see God at work here. I don't know what's happening. And so we're stuck between the despair of saying, well, forget it. I guess it's hopeless. Or maybe the frustration of trying to change things in our own strength. Maybe you hate your job and you can't see any other way to pay the bills and you're not sure. You just feel stuck. You're not sure what to do. Maybe you're in debt. You don't see a way out. Maybe you read the news this morning. 200 people dead in Sri Lanka because of bombs that were intentionally placed in churches and hotels for Easter Sunday. 
Maybe you watched the news yesterday and you saw a video of more police brutality against black boys in Florida and the hateful comments that people make in response to it. People turning off their empathy towards others. I look at this stuff and I sometimes feel helpless and hopeless. Can you guys relate? Not sure what to do about this. How is there good news in this? How does the resurrection of Jesus change this? Like the rising toxicity levels on earth, we feel like we've got to cancel Operation Recolonize. Do not return to earth. Do not get your hopes up. We often feel like we must, like Otto, follow our directive and make the best of a bad situation instead of allowing ourselves to hope. But friends, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. New creation has dawned, and though we're often unaware of it and sometimes even resistant to it, resurrection life is at work among us in the most unlikely places and in the most unpredictable ways. The women in our gospel text find this to be true. They found themselves in the same kind of place on Easter morning. They follow their directives. They know what to do with a dead body. They know how to grieve for their friend. I sometimes think we, we think of Easter morning as filled with all this joy, but first it was filled with bewilderment and confusion and probably horror. What happened to him? Where is he? Who would do this? What's going on? They came to the tomb. They knew what to do with a dead body. They're following their directive. We thought that he was the Messiah, but that's over. That dream is dead. That's done now. Now we got, we got to move on. We got to pick up the pieces. We got to figure out what's next. And of course, they get confronted by this angel who I think is being a little cheeky, right? <laughs> Why do you look for the living among the dead? They didn't know he'd been raised from the dead. You knew that. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He says, he's not here. He's risen. Remember what he told you. He told you this would happen. And the women remember his words and they go back and tell the disciples and the disciples are like, what is this nonsense? They don't believe either. They're confused. But Peter, he's like intrigued enough. He's like, I've got to go check this out for myself. And he goes and checks it out. But he's still confused. At the end of our reading, everybody's confused. Resurrection has happened. The whole cosmos has changed forever and nobody knows it. Everybody's confused. But everything's changed. This awareness of these cosmic implications of Jesus' re resurrection, it slowly dawns on people, doesn't it? And it takes hundreds of years. It's still dawning on us what this means. Because there's a lot of old directives that the resurrection has to overthrow, and the Holy Spirit just overthrows them one at a time, leads us gently into life. He leads the women. Don't you remember what he said to you? He leads his disciples. And their awareness slowly expands about these old stories, these old directives that need to be challenged by the resurrection of Christ. And in our Acts reading as well, Peter is following one of these autopilot directives right before preaching the sermon that we heard. Um, today in our Acts reading. Our Acts reading was a sermon that Peter preached to Cornelius and his household and uh, was interrupted by the Spirit who opened up a new possibility that challenged Peter's autopilot directives, which were, uh, the, the challenge was that Jew and Gentile together are going to inherit the promises of God and create one new humanity out of the two. 
Um, and the lectionary gives us readings from Acts during Eastertide, and we're going to be preaching through Acts uh, during Eastertide, which is the next several Sundays, all the way through June 6th, I think, which is Pentecost Sunday. Um, and our team is going to be preaching through these. Uh, we'll get a fuller introduction to that series next week, uh, but today uh, we'll just look briefly at what happened before Peter's sermon and after Peter's sermon that so radically changed uh, Peter's way of looking at the world. Uh, the, the early church expectation, including Peter, uh, the early church was Jewish, predominantly Jewish, and they had the expectation that the Messiah would come and rule the world through Israel. That was just assumed. That was an autopilot directive. And so Peter is doing what came naturally to him, which is I'm preaching the gospel to Jews because that's who in this, their Messiah after all. Uh, but of course, the Holy Spirit had other plans and Cornelius, this Roman centurion, gets a vision and Peter gets a vision and we can't go into all of it. It's a great story. I'd recommend you look it up, Acts 10. It's, it's a great story. It's beautiful what the Holy Spirit does. But all this to say, it was a surprise to both Peter and Cornelius what the Holy Spirit was doing. Resurrection life typically takes us by surprise. It's something we're not expecting. And so the Holy Spirit leads these two people together. And Peter does something he has never done in his life, which is enter the home of a Gentile. For Peter, the Gentiles represent impurity. They represent oppressive power over them as a minority people. And yet, directed by the Holy Spirit, he enters. And you can almost, in the text, you can almost feel Peter's discomfort. He's so uncomfortable the whole time hey, I've never done this before. I've never entered into the house of a Gentile. I've never, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I'm probably going to get in trouble with this, for this. And he does, actually. Acts 11, Andrea is going to preach on that in a few weeks. Uh, Peter gets in trouble for doing this. Um, that's another thing about resurrection life. You follow the Spirit into it, you oftentimes get in trouble. So that's part of it. But he enters in and he preaches the gospel and he, and he enters into this space of mutuality with this pagan Gentile and preaches the gospel and the Holy Spirit interrupts and the Holy Spirit falls and they realize, wow, they have the Holy Spirit just like we do and I guess they should be baptized now. And there's this wonder, but also this great discomfort that Peter encounters because he's been following his directive and, and now there's this new possibility and it's opening up things real time for him. Um, Right as, he's, uh, right as he's going. But Peter and Cornelius, through their openness to and cooperation with the Spirit, they find themselves as mutual participants in God's graciousness, in resurrection life, in ways that they never could have imagined before this. The women knew how to take care of a dead body, but they knew how to grieve a friend who died. But what do you do when your rabbi comes back to life? It's this new situation. It's challenging. It's filled with joy, but it's also filled with challenge. Peter knows how to, how to, how to lead uh, Jews to Christ who want to become followers of Jesus, but what do you do when the Spirit falls on these uncircumcised Gentiles right in the middle of your sermon, right? That hasn't happened yet at the table, but who knows, you know? Like, get ready if we're all open enough to it. Several jokes went through my... I'm not going to say I'm sorry. <laughs> But Peter's just fo he's following the hope of resurrection life and saying, I don't know, I guess they should be baptized. And then he hangs out with them for several days. That's maybe the, the biggest miracle. <laughs> he keeps hanging out with them. He's like, okay, I guess, we, I guess we'll hang out together for a little while. All through the book of Acts, which we'll see, the disciples of Jesus rarely, if ever, go where they want to go or to whom they would want to go. The Spirit of God is constantly opening them up and us to these new possibilities that the resurrection makes possible. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and it changes everything. It changes everything. 
And we're still catching up to what God's doing. We're always going to be catching up. The Holy Spirit leads the way, and we're trying to figure it out, like Peter, like the women, like the disciples. We're just like bewildered. Wow. By what God is doing. Leslie Newbigin uh, was asked, he's an Anglican uh, theologian and missionary um, who lived in, uh, I think he died in the 60s sometime, but he was asked whether he was optimistic or pessimistic about the future of the church. I don't know what you guys would say to that. My answer depends on the day, right? But he said that I've learned to reply. This is Leslie Newbegin. He said, I've learned to reply, I believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Therefore, the question does not arise. So you can't be optimistic or pessimistic about something that's true. You can only be believing or unbelieving. And that's the challenge for us today. If we really believe and trust resurrection, it will cause us to lean into it, maybe open ourselves to the surprise of it. And it changes everything. Friends, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. New creation has dawned, and though we are often unaware of it and sometimes resistant to it, resurrection life is at work among us in the most unlikely places and in the most unpredictable ways. Where do you need the hope of resurrection today? And where is the Spirit leading you to cooperate with resurrection life today? I have to admit, I was telling Joel this before the sermon, I have to admit that uh, over the past few days, I've been more connected to the emotions of Good Friday and Holy Saturday than Easter Sunday. Writing this sermon was a struggle for me because I couldn't, I felt like I was supposed to be joyful and happy about things, and I just wasn't. Uh, But I felt like the good news that I received was uh, (laughs) just seeing how confused everybody was (laughs) when the Holy Spirit works, and the Lord saying to me, like, it's okay. It's okay that you don't connect with this right now. It's still true. I'm still at work. So I don't know if you feel that way today. Maybe there's a situation in your life that just feels in, like unredeemable. Like, I don't know what to do about this, Lord. Everybody's dressed up in pastels and we're singing hallelujah, and I don't connect with it. I'm not, I don't feel it. That's okay. That's okay. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So it's okay for you to embrace right where you're at, no matter where you're at. Even when you read about violence against black boys in Florida, Christians celebrating Easter in Sri Lanka, even when you think about relationships in your life that seem stuck. When I think about my neighborhood, I get discouraged. I'm like, God, what are you like? I don't think you're doing anything in my neighborhood. And sometimes I think about who I, who I live near. Not you guys, T. and Harris. You guys are great. <laughs> we live in a neighborhood with the T. and Harris. They're the problem, let me tell you. No. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm talking about, like, the people who live on my street. Like, I know some of them, and, like, honestly, some days I'm like, I don't know if I want to connect with them. You know? So what are you doing, Lord? How's it, what's happening here? I don't know. I get discouraged about that. But I'm trying to stay open to the movement of the Spirit. I'm trying to stay open to seeing visions, you know, being led by the Spirit. Uh, And I'm learning that life is to be found in these relationships that I have. I'm learning to just be present to it, say, all right, what's happening here? Instead of pushing for something to happen that I think should happen. I'm learning to be present and say, Lord, what are you doing? Help me see it. Because my ideas of what you should be doing are 
not what's happening. <laughs> so, I, so I'm tempted to despair or to like push harder to make something happen. But I'm learning to just consent and say, okay, Jesus, you're risen from the dead. Resurrection life is at work. <sighs> Teach me to see it. Give me eyes to see it. Give me grace to trust it. How about you? How is God speaking to you this morning? In what situation or relationship do you need resurrection hope? Is it a broken relationship that grieves you? Is it a situation in your life that doesn't seem like there's any hope? In those spaces, rather than follow the old directives of despair or trying to make things happen, let's confess today the resurrection of Christ and that resurrection life is at work even there, even when we can't see it, even when we can't perceive it, we trust that God's at work. God's always present. He's always working. And let's pray today for the hope and the wisdom to know how to cooperate with the Spirit in those places. Amen? That's how we're going to respond today before we come to the table. There's a prayer. It's going to be up on your screens today. And the prayer goes like this. I encourage you, we're going to have a space and time for you to pray out just whatever you'd like to pray. Jesus Christ, risen Lord, even though I can't see it clearly, thank you that resurrection life is at work in. And then name that situation or that relationship. Name it out loud before the Lord. Give me faith to trust you in this and wisdom to know how to cooperate with you. Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all respond. We'll join that prayer by saying, hear our prayer. Amen? All right, let's pray. I'll start us. Jesus Christ, risen Lord, even though I can't see it clearly, thank you that resurrection life is at work in all of my relationships even the ones that I'm frustrated with. Give me faith to trust you in this and wisdom to know how to cooperate with you. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask... For all these things we have named and for those that were not named, Lord, you know where we're at and what we're asking for. Give us grace to trust you, to trust your resurrection in these spaces, Lord, and open us up to cooperating with you in these places. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. On the back of your booklet, let's pray. Eternal God. Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord, amen. The worship is over. The service has begun. Friends, receive the benediction. Jesus is alive. Thanks be to God. We have, <laughs> friends, go in the knowledge that he's alive. Go with eyes to see where new creation is breaking out all around you. Go with an inner witness, even if it's the size of a mustard seed, that everything is different because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Go carrying that good news, the good news that surprises the good news that bewilders, the good news that includes the outsider, the good news that redeems 
the unredeemable, even you today, go with that good news, friends, proclaiming, living, praying, hoping, restoring all things with Christ Jesus. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.